Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the NBA draft is in the books. The only child did not get drafted. Uh, Sam Merrill did. Very last pick. Pelicans took him, shipped him to Milwaukee. Uh, Tony Jones tweeting out that he's going to make uh, like $1.4 million guaranteed for a year and a half. Yikes. Good money. Way to go, Sam. I hope those numbers are true. Well, that's not true. I hope they're bigger. <laughs> Uh, but Sam Merrill at the buzzer, final pick in the draft. As for the Jazz, well, we know they traded down from 23 to 27. Then they traded out of the 38th pick, but then they traded back in for the 39th pick. There were so many trades. There were so many trades. I think everybody's head was spinning. Um, for the Jazz, they're late in the first round with the 27th pick. Um they end up with Udoka Azubike from uh, Kansas, a four-year guy, kind of. Uh, he was at Kansas for four years, but he didn't play all four years. He actually missed about 40% of the games while he was there. Um, there, there were a lot of questions, but none about durability. Uh, there's a lot of things to ask, and they only let you ask one question, and there's no follow-ups, and then they cut off when people still have questions. So it's something we'll have to get to later. Um but he, uh, he missed uh, 25 games his freshman year and 27 his junior year. Only three his sophomore year. And he played every game his senior year, all 31 of them. Um, he's listed as 21 years old. There's a little mystery on his age about whether he's 20, 21, or 22. Uh, he grew up in Nigeria. And as you'll hear here, he moved to the States as a ninth grader and then uh, worked his way up. And he's got a man's body. It's, if you saw the highlights, holy cow, look out. Um, doesn't have much shooting range, uh, is a terrible free-throw shooter, but dunks everything. Catches everything, has good hands, and dunks everything. So uh, look out for the lob when he's in the game. And he'll, uh, he'll defend at the rim. I think the thing that there's a little debate on is he's become much better moving on the perimeter. Jay Billis said that on the ESPN TV broadcast. Um, and then there's some talk, and, and you'll, you'll hear it from the jazz executives here as they speak. Um, and so he, he's moving a lot better, and so how well will he defend the pick and roll away from the hoop? Uh, I think there's a little bit of debate about that. He was defending it pretty well in college, but obviously NBA guys are bigger and faster and better, and so you got to kind of project how good he'll be at that. Um, looks up to Rudy Gobert, studies Rudy Gobert, is happy to be a teammate of Rudy Gobert. Now, one of the trades the Jazz made was clearly clearing roster spots, and there's a whole debate we can get into later is should the Jazz have gone for a wing, which I think is what a lot of people anticipated, or they ultimately went with a big guy and a point guard because in the second round uh, they got a point guard uh, from Syracuse when they traded back in, Elijah Hughes. And they gave up a future draft pick for that, apparently. Elijah Hughes, a 6'6 guard out of Syracuse. What is a point guard, right? Um, a shooting guard who handles the ball well or a point guard who shoots it well? Um, but he gives him some more size in the backcourt, which if he can uh, move into that role, um, you know, will Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley be the only guys under 6'6"? And when Conley is gone, you know, looking ahead, is Hughes going to give him some size around the, the perimeter? And, and then maybe Donovan's the only uh, guy under 6'6 that they play in the game. So I, I do think that they, they didn't want to say it, but they kind of drafted for need. You know, and they started talking about relative value. Well, relative value tells me you're drafting for need. Now, the one door it does leave open that isn't need is that, well, is drafting the position that's harder to get. 
you know, uh, what's the caliber of the average player you can get at any time? The average wing guy, well, he's a little above average, but we can get a little above average anytime. Now we get a little above average in center. You can't get that as often. So I think that's kind of what they're hanging their hat on. Maybe maybe they just fit with what their need is. I don't know how many minutes are going to be at the perimeter. That probably depends, and they did allude to this. Um, what is the rest of the plan for putting the team together? You know, are, is there anybody in the draft that they think, how long will it take the guys they draft to get their way into the rotation, given who else the Jazz have, who else they plan to have, not just who they have, but who they plan to have um, going ahead? I mean, that's that's an interesting thought. If you have uh, Joe Ingles and you got Boyan, Bogdanov- Boyan Bogdanovich and you got Conley playing minutes because – um, well, either Conley or Mitchell, one is the point guard. But, you know, these two, three, four, kind of the wing positions as they've evolved. You know, you've got three, you got Bojan and you got Joe and you got uh, Conley or um, Mitchell. Uh, but then you go to the bench. Well, if they're going to sign Clarkson, you know, how, how many more minutes are there going to be? Now, obviously, you got Royce O'Neal, too. Well, how many guys, how many guys do you need there? Now you've got uh, five guys all ready to play big minutes. The sixth guy um, was George Nyang, and there really were only 10 to 12 minutes for him. And then you've got all these young guys, whether it's uh, Mieoni or Tucker or, you know, whoever. Um, you know, they got multiple guys there. Um, so if you draft another guy, where does he fit in that pecking order? As opposed to, <clears throat> do you think you just upgraded the backup center or the backup point guard spot? Again, that comes back to drafting for need. So, I guess the next thing will be to see what happens in free agency. Do they really bring Clarkson back? Because if they don't, then they had a whole lot more need on the wing. Yeah, maybe they feel like they can get that caliber of player somewhere else. And, of course, we'll all look at this draft, and we'll go back and we dr- we'll redraft it three, four, five years down the line and see if we think they missed on somebody or if they nailed it. Um, obviously. All right, we got to take a break. Uh, when we come back... Uh, Riley Jensen, talking college football. He's got a nugget for the Utes, a nugget for the Cougars, a nugget for the Aggies. And why does he think it's a good idea to use the word fart on the radio? Holy cow. Riley's coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone, and we are brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. Time now to talk college football with Riley Jensen, college football insider. Riley, good morning. What's happening, fellas? Well, it looks like the youths might play a football game. How excited are you, Riley? Oh, pumped. I can't even believe how excited I am. Wait, football season's been a little bit disappointing. Well, that's your inner Aggie. The Utes don't want your inner Aggie dragging them down. They don't need your negative energy. Well, okay, that's fair. But but I think they've been a little bit down, too, because, I mean, what, are they going to get three games this year? Four? I mean, come on. That's not fun. That's not happiness. 
<laughs> it's my inner PK that I'm. It's my inner PK that I'm channeling, not my inner Aggie. Man, I thought I was happy. Now I'm back no, to where I normally right? am. What is wrong? Who do? Who? What happened to Riley? Actually, I'm feeling better. Come to think of it, I'm in. I'm in my usual mood. This sucks. There you go. <laughs> it sucks. Riley, actually, do the math on this. There's a chance they could play five games. Get out of town. Okay. Okay. L- listen, Aggie math is tough for me. So you know, I mean, listen, we. You know, you get it. Aggie football is even tougher. You seen anything like this with the coach and now the quarterback? Oh, man. It, it, it sure feels like there's some messes to clean up right now, right? And I think I think the thing that's the hardest is, is when Gary came in, I think it was 2009, even though they didn't win, you felt the shift in attitude. You felt the shift in momentum. And they didn't win right away, but you could you could kind of tell that things were coming around. And then literally from like 2010 to 2019, it's probably the best era of Utah State football that there's ever been with, I think, eight bowl games. You're talking about winning seasons. You're talking about guys going to the NFL and playing really well. And I, I think what's disappointing is just two years ago, I mean, think about this, just two years ago, Utah State was 11 and two and ranked in the top 25, and now they're 0 and four. We have a pandemic. Our pets' heads are falling off. I mean, there's all kinds of negativity out here. You buried the lead. Your your pets' heads are falling off. Holy cow! Let's start so talking football and find out what the heck happened there. Well, it's just a dumb and dumber reference. Okay. You know, it's just like everything's going against us. So, uh, how much of this do you think is talent, in which case that can take four years to rebuild, and how much of this is attitude, negative energy? Because I did think there was a little uh, there was a little pep in the step at the start of the Fresno game that hadn't been there. Now, Fresno may not be as good as the first three teams, so there's that. Um, but I thought the touchdown that made it 28-16 right before the half kind of took the zip out of the Aggies at that point. And, you know, with the quarterback change, maybe there's some more negative energy being – is the talent really that far down, or is there a major attitude adjustment required and we're starting to see it? I think it's both. I mean, I do think that the talent is down. I think that there's players that are playing on the field right now. Obviously, I'm not going to get into specifics, but – it, it looks a little bit more like the teams I played on instead of the teams that have been playing for the last nine years and winning bowl games and going to bowl games and, and playing really good football. So there there are definitely some head scratchers for me where I'm looking at it going, how's that guy on the field? Like, that's not a Utah State team. And, you know, how, how easily we forget, you know, the Brent Guy era, how easily we forget the Dave Arslanian era where it wasn't good. You know, and um, so I think that's that's part of it. And then look, you can only put so much lipstick on a pig. And and when when it's not playing well, and when when you don't have the right guys, you can have a ton of attitude. You can have a ton of good things going on, but um, it's not necessarily going to translate to wins. Now it can it can translate to the right culture that you need going forward. It can translate to finding out who your players are that it can actually play under pressure. And at this point, I, if, if I were, if I were Frank Miley, I, I don't think anything's off the table. I mean, I, I think you're playing guys that maybe you wouldn't play before. I think you're coaching guys up with the best energy that you can. 
and you're trying to find out who your players are. Now, he has a delicate line because he's also auditioning for a head coach position. And so, um, and, and I think we've talked about this on this show before, but to me, I can go around with any head coach in the country, including Frank Miley as an interim head coach. We can talk X's and O's for hours, and it will be a blast, and it would amaze you how much these guys know about X's and O's. But the thing that separates good coaches from great coaches is culture, is attitude, is enthusiasm for the game, is want to, and all those things that they preach a lot, but they don't necessarily spend a lot of time on. And so I think that's going to be the most important thing that you see for Utah State going forward. The season, in some ways, is already cooked. How do you salvage it? You salvage it with effort. How do you salvage it? You salvage it by building culture. How do you salvage it? You salvage it by um, making sure that these guys are given 100% effort. And that's what I'm looking for as a as an Aggie alum, if I can put that hat on, and an Aggie fan is, look, win, lose, or draw, I just want to see, I want to see effort. I want to see the effort that that needs to take place to win ball games. So this lady, Janine Shelley, I think it's Jason's mother. Uh, she's on Twitter with a couple of tweets on the 16th of November. If demonstrating passion for the game, frustration, or even verbal altercation is a violation of a, quote, team rule that warrants a dismissal, then USU is not the place for you. And she said, I'm incredibly disappointed with the recent turn events at Utah State, firing the head coach after three losses with a new OC, new QB, no spring ball, and during a pandemic lacks empathy. Dismissing Jason a week later was no coincidence. Is he a scapegoat? No. I think, listen, is this his mom? Is this his sister? Who is this that's, that's saying this? Janine Shelley. Who is that, Yach? I mean, I'll have to clearly, do some research. <laughs> do it. Clearly a relative. Clearly a relative, right? Yeah, and, she's pictured with him in a Utah set. uniform. Yeah, and, 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 and uh, someone who's very disappointed about what's happening. Listen, it wasn't pretty on Saturday. It wasn't pretty on the sidelines. There's some things that I'm that, that I won't mention on air that I that I think I'm privy to that are they're all about not being a good teammate. And I think the worst thing if, if, when my kids grow up and 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 I have an eight and a six year old and and I, I I just I just pray that sometime I get this compliment. The greatest compliment you could give my kids that would make me float high as a dad is. Your son, your daughter is an incredible teammate. We just love how much she's good to the other players and how she's the best player for the team or he's the best player for the team. The worst thing that you could tell me is that your son is a terrible is a terrible teammate. And I'm not so sure that whoever this relative is is completely aware of everything that's going on as a teammate. Riley, I have two quarterback questions about uh, Utah and BYU. The Utah question, which I want to hit you up here, is actually more about the Utah secondary and USC's quarterback. How much should Ute fans be worried about their uh, inexperienced secondary versus an NFL-quality quarterback at USC and NFL-quality receivers? And how much should they be encouraged that USC apparently – uh, is going to trip over themselves and leave the door open for big chunks of this game because that's what they've done in the first two games. Balance those two things for me. What am I going to see Saturday? 
So I think there's two things that um, that maybe if, if you're a defensive back out there listening or if you're a, a father of a defensive back out there listening, one of the things that you want to make sure is a true statement when you sign a Division One scholarship and you're a defensive back is what does that defensive line look like? <laughs> because I've seen I've seen – Average defensive backs become incredible defensive backs because of a good defensive line. And I've seen really, really good cornerbacks become average cornerbacks or defensive backs because of a really bad defensive line. So I think in some ways those two things are married. And I have a feeling that the defensive line is going to be pretty good for the University of Utah. And it's going to give these defensive backs chances to grow into what they need to be. Listen, when – when Kyle Whittingham took his program into the Pac-12, I, did, I was not a believer, and this is, this is me calling myself out, I was not a believer that they were going to be able to move into the Pac-12 and play the man-to-man schemes and the blitzing schemes and get after teams like, like they had in the Mountain West Conference. I thought, man, they're going to have to move to zone. Man, they're going to have to do some different things defensively, and that's going to be hard on their mindset defensively. And I was completely wrong. They have been able to play man-to-man this whole time. They've been able to recruit to it. I, I just don't see this being as big a deal as people are making it. Yeah, the coaches are a little bit concerned. Yeah, you should be concerned a little bit as a University of Utah fan. Are they going to be terrible? Is it going to be fart, fumble, and fall down out there? <laughs> Absolutely not. And they're going to have a chance to play really, really good football because they're going to have a good defensive line. And I just don't see them ever having bad defensive backs. I mean, dude, they're putting defensive linemen, linebackers, and, and cornerbacks and safeties in the NFL like, like they're signing up for math 101 in college. I mean, there's so many people that are going. Well, if I farted, fumbled, and fell down, fetch. <laughs> Listen, you don't want to do that. You, you can't no. do it too much. But but every once in a while, we all fart, fumble, and fall down. <laughs> yeah, and then I follow it up with fetch. What the flip? I mean, come on. That's well, why I grew up, up in Phoenix. It's time to get up, start playing better. <laughs> All right, my second, my second question, if we can leave fart, fumble, and fall down behind us, just put that in the rearview mirror. Can you Phoenix. say that one more time? No, no. One more time? No. I'd, I'd like Yach to, to drop that every once in a while. What? Is it always in that order? Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the alliteration there is, is, is pretty good with that order. I don't know. I mean, I guess it doesn't really really matter. Fart, fart, fumble, and fall down is what comes out, but it could be fumble, fart, fall down. It could be... Fall down, fart, and fumble. I don't care. Because I remember one time I was in the seventh grade, and one of my classmates, he sneezed and farted at the same time. I still remember this. I laughed hysterically. Thank you, PK. a little bit different order. I have a promo for today, by the way, Jeff. But it was simultaneous. He sneezed and farted right at the same time. You've never done that? You've never done that? No. <laughs> I'm guilty as charged. I've done that before. Wow, what a, con- a convergence of bodily functions. No, I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we want to get off on bodily functions, is there anything better than a sneeze? If. I mean, dude, there's something about a sneeze that's awesome. Uh, maybe something maybe a couple a of things, but I'll let that go. <laughs>
I had, I had another question, but there's no, but there's no point what, now, is there? What was I mean, your question? There's really no point. Just keep, no, it, keep it simple. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm assuming. I'm assuming that we are going to see a lot of backups for BYU after they soundly thrash. Uh, 0-3 North Alabama early in the game. And I'm curious, I also expect to see Zach Wilson uh, getting picked pretty high in the NFL draft. So how much of the quarterback play that we see in this North Alabama game is going to impact the battle to be the starting quarterback next year, assuming that Zach is gone? Ooh. I like that question. See, this is why you're good at your job. Uh, I think it matters. I think it matters, and I think that you you should see a steady dose of Hall, and you should see a steady dose of Romney, and I think it matters from the standpoint that in practice it's really hard to replicate any sort of pressure at all, and uh, I think I think when you play Division One quarterback at Brigham Young University, you're a person who demands a high level of play out of yourself, and I think those two will feel the combined pressure of just playing good football for their teammates but for themselves. And I think it'd be I think it'd be could be really revealing for the coaching staff uh, going into next year. I think that's a I think that's a really good idea. I think that's a fantastic idea. Well we'll leave it there then, although I know what's gonna be <laughs> the talking point from this segment in the long run. <laughs> Thank you, I think, yeah, Riley. Yeah. Just every once in a while, if you fart, fumble, and fall down, you got to clean up the mess and you got to move forward. Okay, guys, so just right. just get up and go. Well, if it's in the winter, move to Phoenix. <laughs> Riley, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, right. guys. There's Riley Jensen, our college football insider. When we come back, more on the draft. You'll hear from. Udoka Azubike from Kansas, the Jazz first-round draft pick. And you'll hear from the Jazz Brass as well, Jay-Z, uh, explaining why they did what they did. Uh, Dennis Lindsay did not talk, uh, but David Moraway joined him, so uh, joined Jay-Z. So you'll hear from uh, Justin Zanuck coming up as well. DJ and PK, stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The NBA draft last night. The Jazz used their first-round pick, the 27th pick on the draft, on Kansas big man Udoka Azubuike. And he joined Jake and Tim Lacombe on the draft show last night. Here they are. Hey, so tell us a little bit about yourself and your game and how you think you'll be a fit with the Utah Jazz. Um, I mean, like... I'm by myself. Like um, I'm a doctor. I'm from Nigeria. Um, I grew up in Nigeria before I came to the states. Um, I came here when I was like in the ninth grade, and then I went to a school here over here in Jacksonville before I moved uh, to Kansas. And um, in the way, I stayed for four years. And um, for me about my game, you know, I'm just a guy that's gonna go out there and 
and give it all. Like, you know, play defense, you know, like a rim protector, guys that, you know, finish around the rim. Um, great lock catcher, you know, a guy that, you know, going to guide the perimeter. And, um, you know, a guy that loves to walk, that's going to give it, give it his all. Uh, congratulations uh, on on your success uh, through your college career and and uh, for being picked tonight. Uh, question I have for you is uh, what uh, what went through your mind when you heard Utah was going to pick you, and uh, how do you feel about the situation as far as you know it? Man, to be honest with you, it got to the, it got to the wire. At the same time, I knew, like, my agent, right before they called the pick, my agent called me on FaceTime. I was like, guess what? I said, man, don't even tell me. Like, you know, like, as soon as he was playing on TV, I was still having a doubt in my mind. The last night when I heard my name, and it was just shocking to me. Like, you know, like, it was really shocking to me. But at the same time, you know, it's like, God is good, you know, like, for me to get drafted, you know, after you know, I've been through a lot since I've been in college. Like, I've been through a lot from ups and downs, and you know, to to get drafted by the Utah Jazz is is, is big for me, and you know, it's God's blessing. And um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take it for granted. You know, right from the very jump when I, I stepped in on Utah, I'm a, I'm gonna work. You know, I'm gonna be a great worker. I'm gonna listen to the coaches and whatever they want me to do. That's what I'm gonna do. And you know, like I said, I'm not gonna take anything for granted. What was your communication like with the Jazz in the pre-draft process? And did you know they were uh, this interested in you? Um, yeah, like like I had I had a good um communication with them you know we had like several you know zoom calls and for me you know i kind of like i knew like you know they talked to me about what i was looking for but at the same time i didn't know but you never know especially in the draft like this you never know who if they're going to pick you or whatnot you might have a good zoom call with them but at the same time you know they end up picking you know it's a lot of stuff that goes into the draft you know it's a lot of like pig it's a lot of like trades that that goes on so that stuff was pretty much in my head, you know, like, okay, what is going is happening? Because, you know, right prior to the draft, it was like a lot of trade going on. It was so much going on. And, you know, I didn't know, but at the same time, I think the, the communication I had with them, the Zoom call we had together, was like probably one of the best Zoom calls I had with, with like the team. Talk about your uh, your playing career at Kansas. Um, obviously, those that follow college basketball, uh, Big Twelve is a is a man's league. Um, big physical uh, guys you face every night. But uh, what uh, talk about what Kansas was like for you and uh, what the basketball experience was for you there? Um, Kansas was like family. You know, the fans, everybody in like, Australia playing playing for Kansas. It's like you playing like with the, for the tradition, you know, like for the tradition in Kansas. You pretty much don't lose games. If you lose games, then like it's like you know, like something happens. So for you, you always have to go on every game, you know, with the mindset that oh, you're not losing. You know, like it's always that pressure that you don't have, you don't lose in Kansas. And um, you know, with that, it was like fun, you know, playing and traveling in Kansas. And Kansas really taught me a lot. You know, it, it really made me grow as a man. You know, I feel like, you know, coming out of Kansas, I've grown so much as a man, like, you know, bro, coming out in the real world, you know, Kansas has me prepared for the um, for the real world. And, um, yeah, like, you know, I'm, 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 like I said, man, I'm so excited about it. 
Udoka Azubuki with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Um, what do you think about playing alongside Rudy Gobert and, and Donovan Mitchell, the two uh, big players on the Jazz? Is that something that gets you excited as well? Oh man, I'm so excited to go out there and work with Rudy, work with Denver Mitchell. Mitchell, I started Rudy, you know, like just picking his brain as the defensive, you know, like defensive mind player, player of the year, two time defensive player of the year. I mean, like, I know that, you know, just learning from Rudy, like a guy like Rudy, is really going to help my game a lot. And um, I'm so excited to learn from Mitchell and, you know, his brain and what he brings to the table and, you know, like what he can do. Like, I'm just excited to, to learn from this, you know, just superstar. And, um, yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, what what's the best thing you you would say? What's the best thing about your game? Uh, what, what thing you're most confident in, and then perhaps what you feel like uh, you're working on and can improve. I mean, what I'm confident in my game is um, my defense. You know, I feel like you know, I, you know, switching screens. I can I can do that for a big like me. And I'm playing defense, blocking shots, and also like finishing around the rim. You know, I feel like I'm, you know, one of the best, if not the best finishers in this year's draft, you know, in terms of, like, catching lobs and finishing on the rim. And for me, like, the stuff I need to keep working on is probably my outside shot, you know, getting better shooting, but more, you know, obviously working on more of my free throws. And um, that, that's some of the stuff I need to I'll keep improving on. Last thing for me, uh, did uh, do you have you been to Salt Lake before? Do you know anything about, uh, about Utah? Are you excited to come out here? I've only been to Utah one time. That's for the um, the NCAA tournament. But I didn't. I don't really know much about um, Utah, about the city. So you know, I'm excited. Like I said, I'm excited to be out there, to go out there. I'm, I'm so excited to, you know, to meet the city, to meet the people. No, then made my new teammate, new coaches, and I'm, I'm just so much excited. There's Adoka Azubuike, the Jazz first round draft pick. Now Justin Zanuck, David Morey from the Jazz front office joining uh, the guys to talk about why they did what they did. Here's their conversation on why draft day went down the way it did. Our first question for tonight will come from Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Hey guys. Uh, Justin, on Friday, you mentioned looking for a unique profile in some of these guys you like to draft. What about Azabuki jumps out uh, that kind of fits that description? So a lot of things, uh, Ben. Um, unique physical characteristics, 7-7 um, seven, seven wingspan, uh, unique power numbers uh, in our uh, athletic testing um, measurements, measuring power. He's has one of the highest power numbers of there's only 18 players in the last 10 years that have had the power numbers that he has had. So physical attributes, length, size, power, and unique offensive and defensive production. Um, he is the NCAA leader in field goal percentage. Uh, all time, I believe around 74%. Uh, his strength and ability to finish through contact, uh, great lob radius, has a potential to be a very good role man. And in our opinion, um, the most defensive, most impactful defensive player in the draft. Great. Okay, next question will come from Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Justin. Hey, David. Um, I was wanting to know kind of how the uh, 
movement to get to 27 and 38 happened for you guys? How did that sort of play out? Sure. So, okay. So our first question for tonight will come from Ben Anderson, KFS Sports. Is that the recording? Hey guys, uh, on Friday you mentioned looking for. All right, uh, let me make sure everybody needs to make sure you're muted, please. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Come on, Locke. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> hey, Sarah, can you uh, repeat the question, please? Yeah, no problem. Um, I'm wanting to know how the move to 27 and 38 played out, how that sort of uh, showed itself to you guys. Sure. So a couple things with the draft, uh, as you know, you've covered them for quite a while. They're not, it's not just a singular event. Um, the draft is one of many parts of how we go about team building wise. So it's obviously been a unique year with COVID and the, the long you know, time that we've had a chance to not only study uh, these players in the draft, but also study the league, study our team, study the avenues in which we think we can improve. And this is just one part of it. So as part of those conversations, um, certainly we're on the phone with different teams about trying to address things that we want to do, whether that's um, acquire more assets so that we can use it as part of future team building things. Um, and sometimes in certain situations, you don't always want to do that on the clock. Uh, for us, the opportunity came um, last night for us to um, acquire uh, value for our, our 23rd pick and have that turn into a couple different things. One, um, a position of players that we felt very comfortable in, whether selecting one or both and two other things to talk about with other teams as we gather it, those conversations move very fast. Once you get into the draft um, thing, you know, if you go, once you guys go through kind of the autopsy of the draft um, and actually look at all the transactions, um, there were first round picks, even I think, I believe one of ours that was passed around in some way or form by two or three different teams. So the decision-making process is finding that it's enough for what you want to get done at the time you want to get it done. And for us, we valued knowing we would have those two picks going into the draft that allows us to accomplish the things, not only that, um, we can comment about tonight, but also all the plans that we have as it's tied to the rest of the draft, free agency, um, you know, future team building things. And just one part for us to try to put the most competitive and most complete team on the court. Yeah. And Sarah, I would just add that adding the uh, second pick opened up a lot of uh, different conversations and opportunities for, for us to talk different teams on uh, a variety of different um, options. So it, it made some sense for us to do it last night. So we could have those conversations throughout the day today. All right. Next question will come from Tony Jones, the athletic. When you, uh, when you, uh, Justin, when you guys look at, uh, Doak, um, do you envision him being NBA ready from a physicality standpoint and from, from a maturity standpoint and being able to step into those non-Rudy minutes, or is there something that that's fluid uh, as, as we had in the free agency and beyond towards the season? Good question, Tony. I think first of all, um, 
you know, Doak comes from a great program. Uh, he has improved every year coming in as a McDonald's all American and then being part of a great culture, defense, offense, great production in terms of winning at KU. So he's as prepared as a college player. Now, as you know, they're all still rookies. And in this unique year, you've got guys who have not played in a competitive um, five on five environment with fans, with referees, with coaches, um, with very good opponents. And now a completely set of uh, new set of rules, you know, college is very different than the NBA. So all of that time is we expect every player to have some sort of an adjustment. Um, we all, we do pride ourselves in, in player development and we're very proud of Doke in his character, his work ethic, his ability to improve, um, whether that's physically skill wise, uh, and learning the NBA. So I, I don't think you, I want to put anything on one player, especially a rookie coming in under those circumstances, like this is what we're going to do. As I told Sarah in her question, this is just one part of our uh, and one phase of a team building plan to put the most competitive team on the court. We, we took a lot of time as, you know, Dennis and I were on had availability with you guys multiple times. Um, we know where we need to improve. Uh, we want to, we want to see if we can accomplish that in any number of ways. Uh, it's not just a singular one for one uh, acquisition. It's a uniquely impactful defensive player that we can add to our group hopefully get him integrated and continue to get better. And he's, he fits us both character wise, work ethic wise, unique physical presence and a defensive um, mentality. Yeah. Hey, Tony, I just, uh, just add to that, that, you know, there's no summer league. Uh, they, they don't have the opportunity to work, work with our coaches during the, uh, during the summer or in ATO. So, uh, I, I mean, uh, OTA. So in any event, they, uh, it, it's going to be a, a difficult adjustment for all of the, uh, rookies coming in, but certainly, uh, like Justin said, uh, Doak comes from a, he comes from a great program and, um, uh, we're excited to see what he's going to be able to do when he gets here. Next question will be from Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey guys, thanks for the time. Um, wanted to ask, you know, in, in kind of 2020 and a year in, in the era of pace and space, how Udoka fits into that. Um, and in particular, kind of how you weighed drafting a center versus drafting maybe one of the wings or guards available on the board. So any good question. Um, obviously, you know, we have uh, a lot of study, with, with draft prospects, guards, wings, bigs, each of them bring different skills that we feel, um, you know, could debate and always there's, there's lots of different players that could help us in any number of ways. What we felt at the end of the day that, that Doak was the best defensive player, best player available given his unique production, physical attributes, and um, ability to affect both offensively and defensively on the court. Now it's going to take him some time to get acclimated. As I said, to Tony's question that ruled the day. Um, 
when you talk about best player available, you're getting into like a relative value of what a, a center is versus a big versus a wing versus a guard. What we look at it as is unique talent that we wanted to add to our group. And at the end of the day, that, that unique talent outweighed everybody else that we wanted to you know, that we considered. And he was our guy. Okay. Um, Eric Walden also Salt Lake Tribune will be next. Hey guys, uh, I apologize if you've been asked this already. I was uh, I was on the Elijah Hughes call, so I joined a little bit late. But um, can you just kind of take me through what you see as as uh, his his immediate ability to impact the game, and also where he most kind of needs work going forward? Sure, um, David. Please add to this if you yeah. want. Um, yeah. The things that. It's, it's an interesting thing in terms of scouting, Eric. We've, we've learned a lot with Dennis and, and the way our group has evolved. Uh, on the def- I'll start with the defensive side. When you watch Doak, um, sometimes it can be hard to scout when you're looking for what a guy does, but what you uh, it's harder to see is what doesn't happen on the court when he's on the court. You don't see attempts at the rim. You don't see uh, guys uh, He in almost every clip. We never saw, saw a big get behind him. Um, he's learned to play in a certain way where he can really use his physical attributes, his length to be a deterrent at the rim. Um, not only blocking shots, but just shots aren't happening at the rim when he's on the court let alone an excellent rebounder, good hands, a developing passer, uh, a willing passer. And that'll go, you know, those are some things that he'll continue to improve as he, he gets used to an NBA court and NBA rules. Offensively, unbelievable lob radius, catch radius when he's at the rim, um, has learned and continued to improve his body so that he can, he moves very well, better than you think laterally. Um, which makes him a unique drawing force on offense, whether it's vertical spacing, and then just his ability not only to catch, but finish through contact. You don't become the all-time uh, leader in the, in the NCAA history and field goal percentage without being able to finish. And that unique finishing ability um, makes him a, an incredibly impactful offensive player. Now, doing that in NBA space, doing that with NBA athletes, doing that with NBA guards, that's all going to be an adjustment doing it with the schedule. We're about to play 72 games in a very short period of time. There's always an adjustment period. So concluding on that, you know, the free throw shooting, sure. He's, you know, he's got to improve on that, but a lot of his free throws, when you go back through it, they're and ones because he's finishing so much stuff through contact that is very difficult. And his NBA, his, his physicality and strength is already applies on an NBA court with NBA athletes. Hi, yeah. And hey, Eric, uh, I would just add that he, he's, he's a unique athlete for his size. Justin's already talked about, obviously, his length and his wingspan and his power, but he had, he, he has a, he's lateral quickness is also unique for a man, his size. Um, and his, so from a defensive standpoint, you, you guys know how we play and how Rudy plays. Uh, it's important for us to have a big who can cover a lot of space, uh, with his length and with his feet. 
Um, and, uh, you know, it's going to take him time to adjust that, but he has the athletic qualities to do that. Okay, we have time for one more question. Um, it will be from David Locke. How important is it for you to be able to play 48 minutes of the same style, both offensively and defensively? I think it's important if it's productive, David. <laughs> so um, we have, as you know, you know that's what the business we're in. Um, yes, it's important. Uh, it, it doesn't supersede talent, uh, production, physical, uh, you know, physical presence, measurements, power, strength, talent. However, those things are a unique fit for us. And it's very rare for us. It's very rare in the, in, in the draft. You do all this maneuvering and be able to find people that are both where we believe the best player available and also the best fit. Now there'll be other people that argue about, you know, the value of a, a backup center or a center, or we look at it as a young developmental player that has character that fits us production that can fit us physical size and defensive ability that fits us. So it is, you know, to get to your original question, sure. It eventually when we could get to that, that would be great. Um, and we hope that happens. Um, but the talent first and foremost is, is what we wanted. Yeah. And the, the, the goal is to be able to play 48 minutes both on the defensive and offensive side, the way we want to play. That is the goal. Um, and clearly Dennis and Justin throughout this process, when talking to you guys, has talked about the fact that we wanted to see if we could improve defensively. Um, and this, so that's a goal of ours, short-term and long-term, like Justin's talked about. So with Doug, we, we feel like not only defensively will, will he – at some point be able to help us. But as Justin talked about offensively with his ability to his length and his ability to roll and his unique size and power uh, that he'll be able to fit effectively in the way uh, Quinn likes to play. All right. There's the jazz front office, Justin Zanuck, David Morley talking with the media, and we will be right back with what is trending and all the headlines. Stay with us.